Welcome to Little Light Wellness Podcast, your compass for pediatric family wellness, prenatal and infertility health. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and on this illuminating journey, join us as we explore the realms of well-being from the wonders of pediatric care to the transformative moments of prenatal joy. We shine a light on the complexities of infertility with empathy and expertise. At Little Light Wellness Podcast, we're dedicated to fostering a community where families connect, learn, and support each other. So whether you're a seasoned parent, expecting, or facing infertility, this podcast is your beacon of knowledge and compassion. Welcome to a world where every family shines bright. Now here is your host, Dr. Vic Manzo. Dr. Shan, welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Vic. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on and dive deep. Um, I know we've already had some great conversations in the past already, and I was just like, I know we're going to have many more. And so I was really looking forward to this moment and many more to come. So listeners, it will be many more than just one. Uh, Dr. Shan, as you'll know, has a wealth of knowledge. And uh, a lot of times, you know, I, I will say this, a lot of times, sometimes PTs and chiros don't get along. And it's not whatever that reason is. Um, I, I love mm-hmm. what you're up to and what you're doing. And I'm just for what I do. And it's just like, oh, this is someone who I definitely I'm happy we're in the same town. and We're practicing and doing uh, what we love. And so before we get into all that good stuff that we're going to get into today, tell me a little bit about your story, your uh, how did you get into what you're doing? And why did you go and specialize into peds, especially at zero to one year mark and so forth? Yeah, absolutely. So I knew from a really young age that I wanted to work with babies. Um, I think I was six years old when I told my mom I wanted to be an obstetrician. I didn't know that obstetricians don't get to play with babies. They just touch them and hand them off. So um, as through high school and through college, I decided I wanted to be a physical therapist because I love the way that the human body is capable. Um of so many things. And so when I found out that I could combine my love of babies and physical therapy and movement, um, PT was just the way to go for me. So I went to ETSU for undergrad and then for PT school and then immediately dove into the pediatric world. It wasn't until I had my daughter and then my son that I realized that there is such a need for physical therapists in not only early intervention, which is zero to three, but specifically for those babies that are zero to one, um, zero to six months old. So catching babies with tongue ties and lip ties, catching those babies that are born with asymmetries so that we can fix it super early instead of waiting until they're two and three years old and then trying to chop and and redo everything that they've learned. Um, I I realized then that I wanted to be in that that super early stage of working with babies. I love that. It's it's similar. Um, That's kind of what happened in my, well, not my journey as like early on as yours, but that interest into, you know, pediatrics, five years into my practice, all of a sudden I was just like seeing and learning about when the architectural part of the brain like hardwires to a certain degree. And it's not like you can't change certain things, but it's like there's this foundation. It's like the foundation of a house. It's just set. You can't, unless you break the foundation, that's just what the foundation is. And I was like, so wait a minute, you're telling me after the age, so it's like after the age of two, I'm like, 
I'm just working with neuro, like I'm just, I'm just working with symptoms of the nervous system from that moment on. They're like, pretty much that's what we know now. And I was like, I don't like that. No, that no. I need to make a change. And it's fascinating on, you know, the work that you do and, and the work that when you get that early on, how important it is. And that's the next question I want to ask is like, why is it so critical to, you know, early on, sooner the better, um, to get changes going rather than, oh, they're young, I'll wait till they're a little older and we'll take care of it then. Right. So I, you've already touched a little bit on it, is that you know, zero to two, their brains are changing and making their foundation. So the sooner you can get in there, the better. I'm going to give you an example using torticollis and plagiocephaly. That one is one of my favorite um, diagnoses to treat. So torticollis is when the right or left neck muscle gets tight and short. So they have a head tilt to one side. And then it gets so tight that they will want to look the other way. So imagine if you're, so I'm sitting in my car right now. Put your left ear towards your left shoulder and then turn your nose up to the sky. These babies that are either born like this because it's a positioning in the womb, if it's a birth trauma, um, or if it's something that happens in the first couple months of life. So they're using swings and um, strollers, containers all the time. When these babies get stuck here, um, the back of their head is going to get flat. That's the plagiocephaly part. So that's the head shape. Torticollis and plagiocephaly. If you can get that baby into a PT within the first zero to two months of life, it's only going to take two to four months to correct that head shape and to correct that muscle imbalance. If you wait until that baby is six months old, to a year old, it's going to take up to a year of physical therapy to get that muscle imbalance figured back out. And then you've missed the PT window for head shape. So you're going to have to have a helmet to fix your baby's head shape. So if you can get this baby in super early, you have to do less work to figure it out. And you say, well, my baby has a wonky shaped head. That's fine. They've got hair. It'll grow. My response to that is, yes, the hair will grow, but does your kid want to ride a bicycle or play football or join the military and need to wear a helmet that fits their head so it doesn't pop off if they get hit or fall? Yes. Um, does their brain need to develop inside of their skull so that they can function and use their brain um, optimally? Absolutely. So if we can fix the head shape, fix the torticollis, zero to four months old, zero to six months old, you're going to prevent some of those lasting effects down the road. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so interesting on all those things, because like even with like you're talking about head shape and I do a lot of cranial work with kids um, to shift things or change, you know, if they're hyperactive or there's different centers of the brain that we can stimulate. One of the things you're bringing up is like, okay, kid has a wonky head. That's they have a wonky head and hair is going to cover. But guess what? There's tissue under that skull and blood circulation that doesn't move well. So those certain areas of the brain won't develop properly. And they did this back when I studied cranial work. I was amazed that the Mayans, the Mayans, we're talking what, 
1800 years ago, 500, <laughs> four, five, three, 400, 500 AD, um, they knew this principle because if you were a priest, you would have more of a cone head. They would actually shape your head to be a cone. Yeah. If you were a scientist, yeah. they would square the head off. And I was like, get out. They knew that back then. And then I, and of yeah. course my neuroscience background, I looked and I go, what centimeters of brains do this? And when we flatten this, what happens here? And I was like, holy cow, they knew something. Yeah. And so what I, the point is, is that there are center centers of the brain that we will not, you know, with a, with a misshaped head or even with, you know, torticollis that will create the plagal cephaly and all that. It will play a huge role. And it's even in my experience, I've had kids where six, eight months, I had this one kiddo, he just had a really big head. He, and the mom was like, look at this. There were twins. And you see the little, the, the brother, I look at the brother and I'm like, I see who took all the nutrition here because the, the brother, was the, the little guy, he was so, t- he was like half the size and they're oh, twins and oh, it was so cute. But the, but the big guy, the bigger, the bigger brother, um, he, he just had severe torticollis. They're looking at doing surgery. When the mom came to me, oh, and was gosh. like, hey, we're doing the PT. We're doing this. We're doing that. Um, a friend of mine told me about you. And she's like, I heard you can help. And I said, you know what? We're six months in. I said, you're going to have to give me at least you know, three, six months is when we can. You're doing everything else. It's just this is really severe. And so yeah. I'm like, I, it's going to take a little time. And it took us about, about four and a half months, give or take roughly. And his head was perfectly fine. God's head got, got oh. it centered. Um, but again, it's that conjunction work because like I can get to the neuro side and, and, and help with that. Right. But then we still need those musculature work um, to help. So that if there is conditioning, especially the older they get, the, there's a lot more conditioning, yes. as you know, Absolutely. Um, with that. So where can, you know, when it's all becomes the process of starting, like what's the simplest things then? Uh, you know, parents should, you know, focus on that we can, you know, can help uh, neurodevelopably. And what's that first step? So the first step um, is going to be doing tummy time. And every parent everywhere has heard, do tummy time, right? So a little bit of background is that in 1992, which was the year I was born, um, the SIDS, information came out the back to sleep campaign started so in 1992 everyone started sleeping on their back because of that we needed to spend more time on our belly while we were playing one of those reasons is because of our head shape so if we're sleeping on our back for what 23 hours a day you're going to get a flat spot on the back of your head so if we're playing on our tummy we can help counteract that head shape issue i think the statistics in 1992, it was one in 300 kids had an altered head shape, and now in 2024, it's one in four. So it has jumped a lot um, because of you know what came from the Back to Sleep campaign to keep our kiddos safe while they're sleeping. So tummy time is important not only for head shape, but for that first foundational piece of movement and development. So when you're on your tummy, not only are you learning how to lift your head, you're learning how to use your pec muscles to pull your shoulders in so that you can start pushing up on your elbows and start pushing up on your hands to learn. And when you're in tummy time, doing tummy time, you're learning how to rotate your head left and right to clear your airway. You're pushing on one hand to get a weight shift so you learn how to roll over. You're strengthening your glute muscles uh, and your 
quad muscles so you can pull them together and coordinate those things for crawling. So tummy time is really that foundational piece of movement for later on. I love that. And it's, it's so true because even from a chiropractic side, it's, it's the beginning of curve correction or not curve correction, developing the curve in the neck, which is so critical. Yes. Yep. And I remember I was in my P class and taking my certification and uh, the instructor just happened to be one of the instructors I had in school for like half my time. And he's like the hardest. He's just nobody liked him. I did. I didn't mind him. He was a little very rough around the edges, but he's a genius. And I remember he pointed at me and he goes, OK, Dr. Manzo, he's like, tell me why is tummy time important? I was like, well, development of the curve. And he's like, yes, but why do you want to do that? What is the importance? And I'm like, I don't know, to stimulate the nervous system so that you can go ahead and, you know, I'm just like thinking off the top of my head. And I'm like, um, and he's like, the thing is, is he goes, you're, 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 you're pushing pathways to give the opportunity. So when the brain gets that center of development, then the muscles are ready to go. That nerves are there to fire and then it'll start to developing that curve. And I was like, Ah, okay. So it's not curve grading the curve. He's like, no, it's the foundation for the curve. I was like, sounds like semantics, but I'll go with it. Um, <laughs> All the things. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things, but it, it is um, so so crucial in just so many ways. I love how you brought it up because it's like you get that part right, and it leads to everything else. I used to love working with patients, and they'll show me like they'll say, "I'll tell them like your head has a kid has a head tilt," and they're like, "I don't see it." And if they're a little older and have some hair on the back of their head. And they're like three, four, five months. I'll say, I'll look and I'll say, look at the back of their head. Now, you see that little line, that little space back there? You probably see this all the time. All the time. And I'll be like, right? And I'll be like, why is there more hair on the left side of the head in the back, but the right side's kind of bald? And they're going, yep. I don't know. And I'll say, well, let's come back around and let's look. Now, look where the head tilts. Now, if they're laying down, I kind of show them they're going to favor this side versus that side. Yep. And well, that's one of the reasons why. Or if they're rolling, right? Because I want to get into some troubleshooting here in a second. Like even rolling from side to side, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll always tell parents, I'm like, they favor, they go rolling on that side. They don't roll on this side. And they're like, how do you know that? I'm like, it's just patterns. You know, this is, this is what they're going to do. So what are yep. some great ways for people to start doing tummy time? Because there's so many things out there. Um, I mean, you know, Google has been, is great and it's just information overload. So what are some, some simple ways that parents can, um, uh, start to say, Hey, this is how we're going to do tummy time. This is a great way to initiate it. So my favorite way to start tummy time is just on your chest. So if you mom or dad, this is a great time to do skin to skin. Um, as a breastfeeding mom, you can do tummy time even while you're breastfeeding, right? So if you're sitting in a recliner, um, you can place them on your chest and then you have to lean back. So if they, the point of tummy time is that they have to be able to lift their head against gravity. So the further you're reclined back, the harder it's going to be, the more effective it's going to be. This is also a great way for um, oxytocin release right because if you're skin to skin that touch the love that you're getting um that skin to skin also is comforting for baby so when you're on your belly and dr vic you can talk more about this um you know you get your your vagal nerve stimulation to help decrease that fight or flight response to to tell each other that you're safe right so my favorite way to start is just doing it on your chest I love that. And I, and I totally, I like the whole recliner thing. And I love how you're, you're tag teaming some other things like oxytocin and stimulating that while you're doing tummy time. I love when you can add things into the mix while you have to do one thing, why don't add multiples to it? Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, as, 
as a mom, I know how busy it is to try to do all of these things. And so, and especially if your kid has a tongue tie and you've had it released and you're trying to do stretches and exercises. Um, and you know, if you've got more than one kid at home, you're not just getting to spend a hundred percent of your day with baby, you know, you've got other things going on. So my other, um, my big tip for tummy time as well is to put it into your routine during your day. And my favorite time to do that is every time you change their diaper, roll them onto their belly and let them hang out there. If they only make it 30 seconds before they start screaming, then hey, they made it 30 seconds and in another two hours, they're going to be awake, need another diaper change and you can try again. So you can do this what, six to eight times during the day so that they're getting more and more exposure. They're going to recognize that tummy time is part of their routine and you don't have to think about it. You can just say, oh, I'm changing your diaper. I'm going to roll you over and let you sit here for a minute. I'm a huge fan of implementing things in throughout the day. And I think that's great because a lot of times, sometimes parents will be like, yeah, we, I'll be ahead. You practice tummy time. How's it coming along? Oh, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it once a night at this time. And I'm like, I go, we need a little bit more stimulation than that. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, and, and, I, and I, I, it's great with the diaper thing. I was always just like, you know, after before, you know, you just find the time to do it throughout the day. But the diaper is a great one because it's like, oh, it's easy to remember. You link diaper, tummy time, diaper, right. tummy time. Right. After a couple of days, you're going to be like, this is what we do. And, and for development of the brain, just our brains in general, as adults, we love routine. It calms the brain. Uh, regardless right. if you like adventure and spot, you want to be spontaneous in life. That's all great. But from a neurological perspective, the brain loves routine. And for babies, it's so crucial to have routine. So I think that's a, uh, that's a huge thing to easy thing to implement and so much more. What are Absolutely. some things that then let's say mom, we got a mom here listening and got a baby and there's just tummy time isn't going well. It could be, uh, they have some, maybe they have a little bit of torticollis or they just have an imbalance in the neck or, um, what are some troubleshooting ways that they, people, you know, things that come up and how can they troubleshoot it to, um, get, you know, help get that kiddo to have that tummy time so they could get that whole neural development. Right. So, uh, some kids, if they have an asymmetry, if they have um, a tongue tie that's kind of keeping their necks crunched up into their shoulders, their shoulders crunched up into their neck, um, a lot of times um, these babies also with reflux, they're going to just hate tummy time. It is not your job to push them and let them scream the whole time, okay? If they make it 30 seconds, they've made it 30 seconds. If... Um, if your baby doesn't want to lay flat on the floor, they don't have to lay flat. You can prop them up on the boppy pillow. You can prop them up on um, a little lamp or a little water mass or over your leg so that they're getting a different experience while they're still on their tummy. Um, one of my favorite ways to do this is if you sit in the floor and you put baby up on the couch, you can be out of eye with your baby in that position. Babies love faces, whether that's mom, dad, um, the kids, the siblings, the dog, the cat, whatever. Um, babies love to watch faces and facial expressions. And if you're in tummy time singing songs, um, clapping your hands, showing contrast cards, um, all of those things are going to help entertain your baby so that it's a pleasant experience for them and for you as well, because you and the kids are getting to 
spend quality time together um, while trying to get baby to enjoy tummy time. I think that's great. That's one of the advices I give a lot is like, you got to make it entertaining. And I, we used to do it a lot with our daughter where um, eye level contrast cards, the black and white and all these things. And then I would always tell, um, we do this with adjustments. So if I'm adjusting an infant or something along that nature, I, and mom's breastfeeding, um, it can be formula fed too. It's just, there's a lot more, there's that oxytocin connection that happens for mom and baby yes. with the breastfeeding. And that's where I'm trying to really hammer in on. So I'll tell them if they're coming for an adjustment, I'll be like, hey, make sure they haven't been fed. And then you bring them in. They're not going to be happy probably when I adjust them because they're going to be hungry. Um, I go maybe if they're not so hungry, like feeding time's almost close to that point. But I adjust them and I said, then we breastfeed immediately after. And it's the same thing with tummy time that I'll do where I'll be like, hey, you do tummy time, have fun, make it exciting. You want to make it entertaining. Once you're done, breastfeed immediately after. And that way it, it stimulates that reward cycle in their brains. So like, then they start to associate too, like <laughs> tummy time's fun, right? Because we're playing fun, yeah. we're making faces, we're making them laugh. I mean, the laughter my daughter would do at like one and a half, two months. It was just, she started that giggle. And I was uh-huh. like, and, and it was just so fun to do. But then we would do the breastfeeding right after. And all of a sudden she knew she would start to like, start to look for it. And I was just like, cool, she's getting excited. And she's like, then she'll, we'll be done. And we test her out after a while. This is like a month or so in of doing this, a couple months in. And all of a sudden she'll just look like, um, where's, where's the feeding? You know, when she get tired of it. Right. And then we're like, cool, she, she's, she's, we got to that point. And, uh, you know, repetition is the mother of all learning. So it's like the constant consistency of that. And, uh, but yeah, I love the, the eye level thing is awesome. But I just wanted to add that one little piece in there because it's, uh, Again, just want to stimulate the reward cycle because the brain's learning pain and pleasure, pain and pleasure all day long. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. What are any other things? So let's say, you know, one of the things I used to recommend too, like if they had any asymmetries, do you do anything or recommend things like favoring, turning to one side to favor versus, I'm not saying you do the other side looking. So like they're doing tummy time and obviously this is more, Mm -hmm. they've been used to this a little, um, to where then all of a sudden you'll have them look, you know, we have them kind of do one of these things where they're starting to build those both sides of their, uh, the neck muscles and so forth. Is there things like that do you do or to help with also with some of these things, asymmetries and so forth? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if you notice when your baby's on their belly, if they always want to look to their left, um, you want to try to put the interesting and fun things on their right so that they're having to use their neck extensors to pull up and then actively move over to look over their right shoulder. When they've got a bit more strength there and they can do that, um, then you can make it even harder. But if you hold a toy in front of their head over on the left side and then you can move that toy um, a little bit higher than their than their eyes that they're having to lift up and you can make them look right and left, right and left, back and forth to see how long they can hold it. And you'll see that as they get stronger and as they grow, that they'll be able to do that right and left sweep um, for a longer amount of time before their heads get, get a little heavy and, and go back down to the floor there. Um, and then one of the other things to, to think about is sideline play. So if you're on the tummy, you can just roll them over onto their side so that that weaker side is facing the ceiling. So that when they want to look up and find something, they're going to have to bend their neck up to try to find it. So it's all about um, strengthening the weaker, elongated muscle 
so we can get that moving. And then we'll go back in um, to strengthen the weakened shorter muscle. So that's when it gets a little bit more specific with PT um, and knowing which muscle to strengthen at what time and which muscle to um, stretch at which time. So if it gets a little complicated because there's a lot of right and lefts here, um, that's what I want to reach out to PT and Cairo to see which way is which. So Cairo is going to come in, look at the nervous system, get rid of those subluxations, and then PT is going to come in and tell you which way to stretch and which way to strengthen. 100%. I mean, because like there in Cairo, we in our world, we look at um, just for the moms listening and, and how common this is for us, because we'll first thing I we call it something called the jet syndrome. Uh, I know we've talked about this in the past, but yep. it's it's where yep. I teach moms like, you know, you look at the jaw and when they're yawning or when they're eat, feeding, you know, usually the time there'll be like a little bit of a moving back and forth of some sort. Um, that's an imbalance or an asymmetry. Then you have the eyes always going to have one that's a little lower um, than the other yep. in some sort. And that relates also to the skull. That's why we'll evaluate. we look at the eyes. We see that, that we know there's something with the skull going on already that we can correct ahead of time. Uh, and then the tonicity of the neck, the symmetries that we've been talking about. And it's it, it just plays a huge role. But that whole area for us, most of the time, that C1 is so uh, um, from just a trauma of labor for what they're going through. Like even a, I mean, labor nowadays is a lot more traumatic than what it was 100 years ago, just because we don't women don't move. We don't move. I change as women. It's just all of us in general just don't move naturally like we used to. <laughs> right. Uh, which means now we lose, as you know, the muscular system so well, too, it's like, yeah, there are certain muscles that need to be a certain way, and we're just not there. I mean, I'm practicing, I'm practicing deep squatting, and I started to uh, uh, trying to get my squat better um, just so I can get more range of motion, so that my brain can be fed right. better. And it's been right. a, I'm like, wow, I can't move well at all. But anyhow, uh, that's a whole other discussion. But and so it's it's looking at that component to help, and with the PT side, you know, you get the you get the conditioning effect, and I think that's really where that PT can just really shine and say, "Hey, body, I know you're getting conditioned this way. We're going to change that up a little bit and yep. help in that process." Um, as always, Doc, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. But before we wrap this up, how can people find you, follow you, all the great work you're doing, and so forth? Absolutely. So on my website, um, it's milestones with an S, milestones tw.com so milestones therapy and wellness that is my company um, i'm on instagram and tiktok milestones tw and then on facebook um milestones therapy and wellness is my page but i also have a private group it's milestones therapy and wellness parents um, in the private facebook group um we do all kinds of fun stuff i drop a lot of handouts in there so i have a tummy time handout head shape handout and then I'll do free webinars in there. So I've got one coming up uh, in March that's actually on tummy time and the guppy pose. So how to um, troubleshoot and figure out all of those things. So it's going to be kind of an expansion of, of the talk we did today. Um, but I'll have my little baby doll with me so we can have visuals of what I'm talking about as well. But all of that is Milestones TW. And for all the listeners, I'll have that in the show notes uh, for you guys to get followed up with the workshop and all that great stuff. Uh, Dr. Cheyenne, I'm going to mess up your name for, for a second. Cheyenne, 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 you got it. Cheyenne, I know, I don't know why, I was like, doesn't sound right. Um, 
<laughs> Thank you so much for being on and, and taking a moment here of your time to just share with all of us here um, your wisdom, your knowledge, and helping out those little kiddos because you know they just need all that support. If we can get them on the right foot starting off in the beginning, it's such a game changer for the rest of their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on here today. I appreciate the, the invitation and the ability to work together with you and not in competition against you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode here on Little Light Wellness Podcast. Do us a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please share a review. It helps get our reach out and our message out to more people. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss another episode that we have on the show. Make sure to check out the show notes for all the links, whether it be our guests with Dr. Vic, our community, and so much more. Until next time, keep shining your light bright.